Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross and I want to talk to you today about one of the most common and frequent conversations that I have, usually with clients who are just joining the Thrive First Method or my one-to-one clients when they first come to me. And that is the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of it all not working out, it all falling apart, um, things not going to plan. It's fear. That's the nub of the work that I do because it plays out in the relationship that we have with our time, the relationship we have with ourselves and other people, the external results that we produce and the internal feelings, the internal world that we have with ourselves. And normally what what we're doing in the work together is we are navigating this question of what would you, if you were so honest with yourself, and it does require you to be so honest with yourself. What would you do if you weren't so afraid? And it's not uncommon for their my clients for them to initially answer, I don't know. Like, I genuinely don't know. I can tell by the look on their face. They don't know. And it's not because they don't know. It's because fear is ruling the roost that much that they haven't even explored what they would do. It's, or it's the first time that they're exploring what they would do if they weren't so afraid. And this fear can crop up in so many ways. It can crop up in terms of, um, but I never seem to have enough. So I don't seem to have enough time. I don't seem to have enough financial resources or my successes are never enough. And therefore I'm chasing and chasing and chasing. For other people, the fear of failure shows up in, um, But what if I go after what I want? What if I start trying to create? What if I leap and it all goes to shit? And then not only have I gone after something and failed, but I've also sacrificed the world that I have now. Um, Fear can also crop up in a way of trying to perfect things and therefore never really getting anywhere because you're expending your energy in so many different places. And there are more and more and more examples that I could give you. But the main thing, that the main one, um, the main initial answer, that's the word I'm looking for, the initial answer that I get when I start talking to my clients about, talk to me about why, what crops up for you, what comes up for you when I ask you the question, why aren't you going after what you want? And normally the answer is, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to go after what I want. And I'm going to take you through the way that that conversation normally goes. And when I say normally, I'm talking like 95% of the time, because normally what happens when people say to me, I don't have enough time, it's normally not 100% true. Not like, and this is nuanced with privilege and it's nuanced with um, us all having a different set of life circumstances. So I'm just going to forefront the episode with that in that I acknowledge some of us are single dingle with not much, not many obligations. We don't care for elderly parents. Some of us have twins and elderly parents to look after and a full-time job. And I'm, I'm front loading the episode to say, I don't know you, or maybe I do, <laughs> whoever's listening to this right now, you are quite within your right to say that I am time scarce and that is a true fact. I just want to tell you the way that this conversation would normally go between me and my clients. When they say to me, okay, well, the reason that I'm not not going after what I want, like if I really wasn't scared to go after what I want to go after, the thing that I'm faced with is time scarcity. What we would normally do is like genuinely audit that together. So a lot of the time, what I find with my clients is they feel 
like they don't have enough time. They feel like they're always running behind. And if that is true, the first thing that we we work on together is how can they develop a better relationship with the time that they do have available to them? So I know that a lot of you have heard me talk about the Thrive First Method, but there's a few components to that that I'm going to teach you about in this episode. So first component of the Thrive First Method is thriving first. Now, with all of us having a different set of life circumstances, it's really important to note that you will all have different amounts of time available to you. And so, and and that that will change throughout your life. And I know I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but this time last year, I was heavily involved in looking after my elderly parent who had severe and advanced dementia. This time this year, I don't have that obligation because he passed. So my set of life circumstances looks very, very different. And therefore the time I have available to me looks very, very different. So what we do together is we look at how you can thrive first before anything else and what that would actually practically look like in your life. And you might be thinking, well, if I'm time scarce and I've got a goal that I want to go after, what's the point in looking at thriving first before any of that? The point is because like many of you have seen in my old um, Instagram posts, and do you know what? I'm going to post this and make it recent in my grid so that you can all see it. I have a Venn diagram and it's two circles and they cross over and one circle is life, the other circle is business and you are in the middle. And so if you are not thriving first, you can forget the rest. If you're not looking after your fundamental basics that help you to thrive and whatever you define what thriving looks like to you, right? And whatever thriving looks like to you, that is what we create. So if thriving to you looks like feeling nourished, feeling looked after, feeling like you're getting enough sleep, you're well hydrated, you're well taken care of, you're going on a 20 minute daily walk, then that's what we, that's what we prioritize first. We cannot look at the rest And especially if you're someone saying to me, I am time scarce, the reason that I'm not going after X, Y, and Z, the things that I want, is because I'm time scarce. That's what we have to look at first and foremost, because if you don't feel like you ever have enough time and you're always running behind, and therefore you're always coming from this inner place, this energetic space of feeling time scarce, we have to look at that first before we even look at the rest. And (laughs) it sort of ties into this next line that I normally get from people, which is, but I don't want to admit my goal. I don't even want to admit what I want or never mind go after it because I'm already time scarce. And therefore, if I start spending my time pursuing this thing, I might not, and I might not achieve it. It might not go well. I'll feel like I've wasted my time. So can you see why the first thing that we need to look at together isn't actually going after your goal, isn't actually like diving in headfirst into, well, fuck time scarcity. That's a lie. Let's just pretend that you're making that up and go after what you go after your dreams. We can't do that because in the back of your mind, you're always going to be thinking, but I haven't got enough time. And therefore, if this doesn't work out, it's like it, it puts an additional pressure on you pursuing whatever goal is important and meaningful to you in that well, I'm already time scarce. So if this doesn't work out, I've wasted my time. It's already hard going after something you want, particularly when it's requiring a new skill set or courage to then put the additional pressure on top of it. Like, <laughs> But it's all got to go perfectly and it's all got to work out that 
Otherwise, I'll feel like I've wasted my time. That's a huge pressure to put on yourself. And it's a huge pressure to put on your actions and your goal itself. So we want to be looking at that before we dive in. Um, And the next thing that I'll always look at with my clients is overwhelm. So a lot of my clients, when they come to me for the first time, because they haven't, usually they haven't done a significant amount of work on their relationship with time. Um, we'll look at the overwhelm and we'll look at, okay, so th- the way that they'll feel is like, I've got all of these things I have to do and I haven't got enough time to get all of these things done. So we have to we have to develop the skill within them that shows them that actually you do, like a lot of my clients are either business owners or they are in a career where they are responsible for their time. You know, they, it's not like um, they've got someone saying you've got to be here at this time, there at that time. They are autonomous in the way that they spend their time, right? They're normally the types of clients that I work with. And so that sounds very freeing, but when you haven't developed the skill of being able to discern, okay, so I've got this massive to-do list. What am I going to delegate? What am I going to defer to another time? Because that just can't get done this week. What am I going to delete completely? And what am I, what am I actually going to do? And in that doing, am I going to get help? How am I going to, what parameters am I putting around it? What's a high value activity in terms of my doing? And what is actually a low value activity. These are skills that we can develop. And when we develop these skills of discernment on how we are going to spend our time and what we're not going to be spending our time on, then we can start to reduce the feeling of overwhelm. Overwhelm typically isn't the problem. Overwhelm is normally the symptom of something else. And sometimes it's not overwhelm it can feel, the overwhelm can feel like it's coming from all of these things that I've got to do. Whereas when we actually develop the skill of looking at everything that we've got to do, working through that and planning it out in a way that suits us and our preferences, not this like robotic way that the world teaches you how to block book your time and schedule in your to-do list, but in a way that genuinely works for you, you can start to reduce the amount of overwhelm that you feel. So can you see like the first step that I will always take with my clients when we look at, okay, so tell me why you're not going after what you want to go after. And they present to me, I haven't got enough time. I take that shit seriously. If you say to me, I haven't got enough time, prepare for me to want to have a conversation with you about that. I'm not going to be like, that's bullshit. Yes, you have. Let's just go after our dreams because that's never going to work. You know, you're a human with a nervous system. And so if you try and force or push through that without actually looking at your relationship with time, you're just going to find yourself burnt out or going after your goals in an unsustainable way, which is the same as saying, pretending that your life isn't the way that it is, trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole and trying to fit in steps towards your goal. It's never going to work, not in a sustainable way. And we need it to be sustainable because we need we need to give you the evidence that it's safe for you to go after what you want in your life and in your business. It's safe for you to fail. It's safe for you to make mistakes. And there is no such thing as you wasting time. There is no such thing as you wasting your energy and your um, chances in inverted commas. I'm going to come on to that in a minute because that's a huge one that I get, I often get from my clients. So the next thing that we'll normally look at is what, what, 
what all of that leads to, which is inaction and buffering. So when I explore this with my clients, what we'll normally find out about them is they feel like they haven't got enough time, but they feel like they're it's not necessarily about the time they have available to them. It's more usually to do with the way that they're energetically spending that time. And normally they'll find that they're often in inaction. They're often in buffering. So if if these are new words to you, what this can look and feel like is I'm, I'm putting a lot of energy into thinking about what I want, but it's in this almost like dramatic thought loop of, yeah, I do want that, but I can't have it. And here are all of the reasons that I can't have it. And it sends you into this place of freeze or flight where you either freeze or you want to escape from the thoughts of what you actually want. And it can lead you into this space of shutting down. And I often, I know I'm stuttering a lot here, so please bear with me because I'm excited about it. That's why. But like often what my clients will give me in these moments is, oh, I'm a bit confused. I don't really know what I want. And typically that is like 99% of the time, that's not fucking true. What's actually happening is their overwhelm is putting them into a place of inaction and buffering. Therefore, they they freeze or they go into flight mode where they'll, they'll want to escape it and say that they're confused. They'll shut down and then, like as in not they will shut down as a, as a human, <laughs> but they will shut the thought down, right, of, oh, that is the dream. That is the goal that I want over there. They'll just completely shut it down with thoughts such as, well, I can't have that. That's not for me. I just must not be cut out for that. All very, very, very subconscious, not very conscious thoughts. But then what they will do further to that is judge themselves. They will judge themselves and they will create a story in their mind about who they are. So um, if I can give you an example of what this would sound like in their mind is like, I don't trust myself to use my time responsibly. So um, the way that that might sound is, but I don't trust myself to take steps towards my goal because what if what if it goes wrong and I'm sacrificing my current life for something that is uncertain, for something that is unclear as to whether it's going to turn out right or not? And that thought alone can send people into a um, pattern of, I want this thing. I don't trust myself to use my time properly. I don't trust myself to deal with if it fails. And therefore, they sometimes they can even take the first few steps. When they don't see results, they stop or they go right the way back to the beginning. And I see this causing huge problems with my clients at the beginning because when they are pursuing meaningful goals to them, because of something called lag time and commitment to putting in the effort when there are no results, that me- and what I mean by that, by the way, is a lot of the time, the way that we set goals together is we acknowledge what the goal is. So it's the same as saying that mountain over there is the direction that we're headed. That mountain is the goal. But I acknowledge that I have got my goal and I've got my growth. And your growth is always going to underpin your goal. So um, let me think of an example. If I was saying, right, I want to, in in two years time, I really want to have a very successful podcast that's my goal. That's the mountain over there that I want to pursue. But in order to reach that place, I'm going to have to go through the discomfort of my growth um, on the way to that goal. So that that discomfort will come through looking like a tit in public. That discomfort will come through not getting the results that I want straight away, um, not getting the amount of listeners that I want straight away, not getting the amount of feedback that I want straight away, the podcast not producing the right amount of leads straight away, all of these things, all of the results. and 
I want you all to hear in what I'm saying that there is always a lag time in terms of the results that you will see in comparison to the amount of energy and commitment you're putting into the steps you're taking towards that mountain. Yeah. So what this will look like in real life is quite often we will have to put in the effort. We will have to um, experience the discomfort, usually at the beginning when we're not seeing any, any results in our external world. And do you see how this plays into the whole time thing? If I consider myself to be someone who is time poor, and then I'm putting in effort and energy, and I'm experiencing discomfort because I'm growing on the way to taking steps towards my goal, it's going to make you want to stop. But what I'm asking for my clients and for you in listening to this podcast, what I'm asking for you to see and hear is you're going to need to take steps with full trust that there is a lag time to the results that you actually see. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And so what I find with my people, um, the people, <laughs> the clients, the, what I find with the clients that I work with is that switch, that throws them into this place of all or nothing. And that is where this thing comes from of, well, if I wasn't scared, I'd be going after my goal. I'd be taking steps towards it. But what if, what if, what if? And it sends them into this all or nothing. There's, and they don't know, they haven't yet um, built the skill of breaking it down into smaller steps. So they see it as I'm either going after my goal, I'm leaping or I'm not, I'm stagnant and I'm stuck still. I'm, I'm marching towards my goal or I'm just staying where I am. There's no in between. I'm like going after this future life or I'm stuck where I am forever and ever and ever. It sends them into this all or nothing place. And the work that we do together is, and the work I'm, I'm encouraging you to do in this podcast is break it down into smaller steps, break it down into a step. So for example, right in the Thrive First Method, every single month we do this thing called Zoom Out. And in Zoom Out, I'm not going to take you through the full process, but I'm going to give you a bit of an overview so that you can apply this in your own life and in your own business. So in Zoom Out, every single month we get together the end of the month and a third of this session is looking back over the previous months and taking the lessons and taking the learning so that you can impart wisdom on your future self. And that's really easy for us to do because part of the Thrive First Method every single week is reviewing your week, taking the lessons. So when you look back at the end of the month, it's really easy for you to see what you've learned and see what you can take to use forward for your future self. But then what we do is we zoom out and we connect to your vision. And your vision is like, how do you want to feel in like, if you're, if you're, I love this, let me explain it. I, this is like such a beautiful way to explain it. I love it so, so much. If your life was a book and every single page was a year of your life. So let's say there were a hundred pages because you're going to live to your hundred, right? Every single year is a year of your life. And what we do in Zoom Out is we like zoom out and we flip the page over to the next page. So that's like six to 12 months time. And what I ask my clients to do is I ask them to connect to a feeling, that vision I ask them to connect to in, in a year's time, connect to how you want to feel, drop the fear, just how do you want to feel? And often I'll get words like, I want to feel like I'm creating from authentically me. Like I want to be myself. I want freedom. I want to feel calm. I want to feel grounded. I want to feel satisfied and fulfilled and 
confident and powerful. I get all of these, all of these answers. And the way that the zoom out process works is we use that vision for yourself to then like, um, visualize in a very practical way because we're writing it all down. What would that practically look like if that's how you felt in six or 12 months time? How would that practically look? What would this, what would you be doing? How would you be living? And yes, we fully acknowledge that there will be words on that page that are written for you that you cannot edit or delete. They are the circumstances of your life. So it's not like dreaming for this version of you that doesn't have an elderly parent to look after or um, a shit show going on at home or a divorce that you're navigating or a menopause that you're going through. We acknowledge all of that. But in the Zoom Out process, what we're doing is we're consciously and intentionally building your future with the circumstances considered and factored in. And so as we start to zoom back in, what I take, the process that I take people through is zooming back in and going, okay, so if it was just the next three months, how would you be moving towards that vision? And then zooming all the way back into just the next four weeks. If we just had a month to take a step towards that bigger vision, what do you think that would look like? And what we do together, I think this is so special about the process, is what we do together is we don't actually do the goal planning, but we just identify the goal. And remember, all of this came from me talking about all or nothing. What my clients can tend to do when they feel time poor is they can tend to throw themselves into an all or nothing mindset. I'm either going after my goal or I'm not. And they feel like shit. They call it like I'm off the wagon or I'm on the wagon. I hate that. I'm like, there is no on or off. You're just, you're continually moving. The page is going to turn. Time is passing by. The minutes and the days and the weeks and the months and the years are passing by. So let's intentionally, as much as we can, move towards how you want to feel in life and in business by practically breaking it down into steps. And so when we do that zoom out process, what my clients are normally left, well, what they are left with is their goal for the next four weeks. And then every single Monday, when we come together for hour one, what we then identify are the steps we're going to take to get there. Because what our, what our one does is it identifies, how am I going to thrive first this week? How am I going to deal with the shit show that is my business as usual, like the to-dos that you've got in life and in business? And we we concentrate on auditing them and navigating them and navigating the fear that you'll feel and the self-doubt and the self-sabotage and the self-coaching that you'll need. But what we are also doing is making sure that your high value activities towards your goal for that month are planned in. And so what it doesn't require of you is to plan out the 62 steps as to how you're going to get to that goal. And if it doesn't go perfectly, then oh fuck it. So it's, it's, it's just all failing and all falling apart and the plan's not going to plan. So it's, it's not working for me. And therefore I tell myself a story about why this isn't for me and I'm not good enough. None of that shit, right? (laughs) We're just simply identifying the goal for the next four weeks that's going to take us towards that bigger vision, breaking it down into steps week by week. And so what that allows us to do is let it unfold. It's like strategy and surrender blended beautifully together and navigated by you. And so what I was explaining earlier with your goal and your growth underpinning that goal is it makes it very, very clear to my clients that, by the way, on your way to this goal, you're going to experience discomfort. You're going to experience things that you've never learned how to do before. And that's very, very normal. So rather than get to a stumbling block and be like, oh, well, it's all fucked. 
and this isn't for me and I'm not very good at this and now I've given up my current life because I've gone after this goal and I've wasted a shitload of time. Instead of that, what they're seeing is, no, actually I'm I'm having a very normal experience of developing a new skill and I'm not meant to be good at it straight away. And therefore it gives them a sense of self-acceptance and um, what's the word? Yes, yeah, self-acceptance. That's the word that I'm looking for, right? And therefore they rarely then go on to feel this huge lack of control because when we're navigating towards something and we don't feel like we've got enough time, quite often we feel like the world is happening to us and we're not fully present in our mind and our body. We're in either the future or we're in the past. And so what I want to do is I want to get people into this space of, well, how do we navigate that together? When you genuinely have learned the skill of how to navigate your personal version of time scarcity, but then you've also seen that actually it's not fully time scarcity that is the reason that you're not pursuing what you want for yourself. There's also usually going to be a lot of fear and a lot of doubt and a lot of new genuine, like new knowledge and skills that you've got to learn along the way, which also brings up a lot of discomfort. So I'm going to move into like the the things that the things, the ways, the ways that we alleviate all of those things together in the work that we do. So this, these are off the top of my head, but the first thing that I can think of is we give time a job. We give time a job to do. We're not trying to make decisions on the fly. We're not trying to make decisions in the moment. So, you know, I mentioned before about how we come together every single Monday for hour one. The way that I explain this to my clients is, Imagine that you wear different hats, right? So you've got, um, by the way, if anyone wants to learn more about this, there is a book. This isn't my concept. I haven't made what I'm about to tell you up. There's a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, I think his name is. It's quite an old book. There's a lot that doesn't apply into the new world now, but it's still good. And there's a concept that he talks about. I'm going to use different language, but there's a concept that he talks about, which is the worker the manager and the CEO. And I explained to my clients that imagine that you wear different hats. So your CEO hat is the hat that is like that mountain over there. That's the vision. That's where we're headed. And the CEO's job is to determine the vision. And we've got to allow ourselves the space and the grace for that CEO to have a voice. Yeah. We've also got a manager hat that we wear. And the manager hat is the version of us that is like controlling what is controllable. So controllable, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Like the the way that we spend our time and the quality in which we do things and the um, way that we manage ourselves, right? And then we have our worker hat and our worker hat is just the executor. They are the, they are the one that gets shit done. And so when my clients come to me for hour one, every single week, we can, uh, sorry, no, let me rewind. When my clients come to me for zoom out every single month, we're wearing the CEO hat. We're connecting to the bigger vision. We're letting the CEO have a voice. And then when we come together for hour one, every single Monday, we're getting our manager hat on. And when we're connecting to that CEO, so the CEO is in the room while we're planning out our week, but we're, we're wearing our manager hat. So we're basically planning out our time in advance so that 
when the worker hat comes on in the week, and of course, like you'll be putting different hats on as you navigate your week. I'll explain that in a minute. But what we're not asking our worker version of us to do is make decisions in the moment. Because if we ask the worker version of us to make decisions in the moment, they are going to be met with like, oh, right, so you want me to record a podcast, but I'm scared. And what if everyone thinks I'm a tit? And what if it, What if I can't? What if I don't know what to say? And what if, what if, what if, what if? And the worker version of us isn't going to be able to make those decisions in the moment. Their job is simply to execute. They'll do what the manager tells them to do. So what we've got to do in our one is we've got to make decisions for our future selves. What are we? What are the high value activities this week that, yeah, might be hard to execute? It might be complicated. It might bring up a lot of self-doubt. But I'm going to make the decision in advance that that is what I'm committing to this week because I know that that's going to take me closer towards my goal. And interchangeably, the manager and the worker will have different hats on throughout the week because we're not trying to make decisions in the moment. That's how people start to procrastinate. Oh, I'll do that later. Oh yeah, I know I've, I've written that on my to-do list, but I'm a bit, if I'm honest, I'm a bit scared of it. So I'll procrastinate and I'll do something different. I'll procrastinate learn. I'll procrastinate eat. I'll procrastinate clean. I'll procrastinate, <laughs> I'll procrastinate buy a new course to consume. Like you all, I'll procrastinate Instagram scroll. Like you all know how that looks when you try and make decisions in the moment. So what I practice with my clients is helping them to see that, when you make decisions in advance and you give yourself the time and space in your week to self-coach and cheer yourself on and have your own back, that is when the magic can really start to happen. Because what happens then is as they navigate throughout their week, they become aware. And those small, small steps, those small building blocks that we've laid out for ourselves in the way that we have decided we're going to use our time we can then use that to prioritize, create change and decide what we won't do and decide how we're going to support ourselves throughout our week. So what I'm very keen on with my clients is managing the expectations that they have of themselves. You know, when people come to me and their reason for not going after their goals is I'm very, very time poor. What I quite often find when I lift the lid and I look at how they're spending their time and their relationship with their time and the relationship with their business is they're saying they're time poor on the one hand. And on the other hand, they've got, they've set a bar so high no one could ever reach it. Their expectations of themselves are so, so high. So what I practice with my clients is, can can we audit the way that you're going about your, your business activities? You know, does it all have to be done by you? Does it all have to be done right now? Does it all have to be done in this way to that standard? Can you give it 50%? Can you push back on people? Can you get support and help with it? And I know that when when I say, can you give it 50%, there'll be a lot of you like, fuck you. <laughs> I give 100% and I'm very proud of that. I know me too. I used to be that way too. And what I'm not saying is I produce shoddy work. What I am saying is when you've got this um, belief of yourself that you have to go, go <laughs> you have to go above and beyond in every single thing that you do. You have to give it 100%. It has to be 100% perfect or else what you are um, unconsciously creating for yourself is a version of you who has very, very high expectations. And therefore you'll find yourself spending a lot of time and energy trying to perfect the things that you do. And therefore you won't, you won't actually be 
moving forward as much as you as much as you could because you're spending a lot of time trying to get it right and get it perfect and it's for no other reason than to avoid failure or judgment so what i've practiced with my clients is can you give that 50% can it be 50% good does it have to be 100% right so can you see that what we're doing here is rather than dismiss the fact that your time's scarce, we're actually looking at it and we're working through it. But what we're also doing is calling our inner team of bullshit. So <laughs> with my clients, I often say that you have different departments in your inner world. And one of your inner world departments is the, te- the, bullshit, the bullshit team. And I ask my clients to call in their bullshit team when they are feeding themselves a line about the reason they're avoiding doing the thing that requires courage. And what I'm what I'm trying to create within my clients is time and space within their week where they can be honest with themselves. And that doesn't have to look like carving out space to do some journaling or meditation every day. It doesn't have to look like that. It can literally be on the fly, noticing. Like the biggest, the biggest turning point, the biggest change creator, sustainably, like life-changing creator. God, that's a big thing to say, but I mean it is when I can cultivate the skill within my clients to enable them to stop and acknowledge themselves literally as they move throughout their week and question like, is that thought real? Or is this a thought where, do you know what? To make this really real, I'm going to give you an actual real life example off a coaching call yesterday. One of my clients said to me, um, let me pause the recording while I get the real words. Wait there one sec. I'm done. One of my clients said to me yesterday, but it's not the thing that I'm working on. It's not good enough. And it's not where I want it to be yet. And without questioning those thoughts, she then went on to say, and it's not good enough because I'm not putting enough into it yet. I'm not putting enough time into it yet. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Let's call in your inner team of bullshit and see if those statements are true before we conclude, summarize, and make it mean something about us. So let's deconstruct what you've just said. You've just said... It's not good enough, statement one. Let's look at that. Is that true? Is it really not good enough? Or does it feel like it's not good enough? And I'm not calling them a liar. All I'm asking them to do is audit the things that they are passing off without letting their bullshit team step in and have a look at the statements, right? So I'm asking, and my client's like, no, actually, fair enough. My bullshit team has had a look at that statement. It's not good enough. No, that's not true. Okay. Second statement. It's not where I want it to be yet. Is that true? And she was like, yeah, do you know what? To be fair, that is a true statement. And I was like, okay, so it's true, but is it a problem? And like, this is so good. And I, I encourage you to try this for yourself. Think of a baby and think of, um, a three-month-old baby. So for those of you who don't get babies, you're not meant to be able to crawl when you're three months old, right? If a three-month-old baby wasn't crawling yet, you wouldn't be looking at that baby going, you're not crawling yet, there's a problem. What's wrong with you? You would it just literally be like, that's a very normal problem for a three-month-old baby to have. If, however, you walked into a bar and there was a 45-year-old man crawling across the floor because he hasn't learned to walk yet you would probably think, oh gosh, what's the problem? And it, it would be likely if you're in a pub that he's probably just pissed as a fart. But <laughs> but can you see like some, some things that we tell ourselves, they're true in that they are factual, but we make them to be a problem. Like it's not normal. And then further to that, 
we conclude and make it mean something about us. So what my client did, if you remember what I said, she said, it's not good enough because I'm not putting enough time into it. And what that can have is an, is an action implication of my client investing more and more and more time into something when actually all we needed to do is step away from our own statements, let our bullshit team have a look at it and be genuinely honest with ourselves. And when we're genuinely honest with ourselves, it means we can prioritize building in trust with ourselves, building in trust that we're able to stop throughout the week and actually consider the drama that's happening in our own mind and what is real and what is not. You know, the ability to coach yourself is something that you can build as a skill. And this is, for those of you inside the Thrive First Method, we have a whole module with mini modules inside, which is called the Do module. So it's Plan, Do, Review. The Do module is there to support my clients as they go through their week to enable them to self-coach, to enable them to connect to their own inner bullshit team. Because the majority of the time, the reason that we're not going after our goals actually isn't because we're time scarce. It's because of everything that I've mentioned in this episode, that it might have something to do with our relationship with the time available to us and the skills that we need to develop in order to use the time we do have available in an effective way that also acknowledges our our humanness, right? We're a human. We're not a machine. We're here to thrive. We're not here to just produce and go and go and go. So our relationship with our time, our relationship with ourselves, and yes, our relationship with our goals. And when you bring up your relationship with your goals, it literally factors in everything that I've talked about in this episode today. The fact that self-doubt is inevitably going to come up. You are going to have fear thoughts that if you let them overrule you and overwhelm you, they are the things that are going to keep you stuck. And therefore, it's going to feel like you're pouring a lot of energy into something. And therefore, you'll feel like, I am spending time on my goals, but actually what's actually happening is you're stuck in a thought loop of fear. So they are the things that we work together on. And I hope in this episode, through sharing this stuff with you, you can gain something that you can take into your life and business and start to support yourself. I fully acknowledge that not everyone is going to listen to these episodes and be like, I'm working with her or I'm joining the Thrive Fest Method. So I share these things in the hope that you can take what you need for free. All this episode has cost you is your time. And the way that you can get your return on investment of the time you've invested into listening to this episode today is do something with it listen back, make notes in this episode. What And be honest with yourself. You know, if anything struck a chord with you that you've listened to today, ask yourself why. Ask yourself, oh gosh, like, do I do that? Do I go into all or nothing? Do I notice that I'm not getting results quick enough and make it mean something about me? Do I not acknowledge that there's lag time? Do I not trust myself to take steps towards a direction that I don't actually know if it's going to work out or not. I can trust that my growth is going to be the best prize that I get that supersedes achieving the goal. Like, can you connect to those parts of yourself? And what can you take from this episode today that supports you, not only in your outer world, you going after meaningful goals, but also your inner world, your growth, the relationship that you have with yourself, the way that you support yourself and cheer yourself on. I would love to hear what you've taken from this episode. So by all means, contact me. My email address is contact 
at tlb.org.uk. I am on Instagram at um, Thrive Life and Business. I'm on LinkedIn at Nikki Cross. Um, contact me, let me know. What have you taken from this episode? What are you going to implement? And if you feel like, do you know what? I've got a friend or a family member or a colleague who also needs to listen to this episode. It would fill me up with gratitude if you would share this episode with them. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm going to leave this today. I hope that it has served you. I hope that it's given you some insight into the work that we could be doing together. And if you are interested in that, head over to my website. It's www.tlb, so it stands for Thrive Life and Business, tlb.org.uk. And you'll find all of the information that you need on my services. I've got a one-to-one page where you can find out all about my one-to-one coaching. You can even book a consultation call where we, it's the consultation calls for one-to-one. It's like, it's a mutual assessment. We, you're assessing if this is a good fit for you. I'm assessing if one-to-one coaching is A, a good fit for you and B, if I am the right coach for you. I have a network of other coaches who um, specialize in different things and I'm not afraid to point you in their direction too. And also what you'll find on there is the Thrive First Method. So if you want to learn more about that and the work that we do there, then you can click on that too. Um, I also have a blog where you can explore different um, topics and themes But whatever you do after this episode, please make the priority being, where am I going to implement? Yeah. So with that, please, please never forget, of course, I am always cheering you on. And I really do hope that you are cheering you on too.